Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges and most importantly how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host Sandra Beck. Hey mamas, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Mitchell Weissman. Now Mitchell's written this great book. It's called The Rose Temple. And if you want a really good story, like it's got action, it's got adventure, and then it's got a spiritual component and it's historical and it's it's just it's just so exciting in so many different ways and it really helps us um, in understanding, you know, kind of how we're all interconnected. And, you know, this week, my younger son smacked a kid at school. And, you know, the kid had put his head in the drinking fountain, and he retaliated. And, you know, and I thought there's got to be a better way for us to resolve our conflicts than to whack in each other. And I think that's part of our natural um, you know, anybody who's raised kids knows your natural inclination for children is to slap their siblings and parents to want to slap their kids. I know I've been there many times. I don't. Um, but, you know, tolerance is something that we learn as children and tolerance is something we grow into or grow out of, I think, as adults. And so I'm really happy today to have Mitchell Weitzman here with me because he is the person that I know most closely that's an expert on tolerance and then can actually explain it so that I can understand it and start applying it right in my household, which is why we're here on Motherhood Talk Radio. Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sandra. It's a pleasure to be here. You have actually taught tolerance in front of kids, and I've, I've met you in person. I've had the pleasure of meeting you a couple times, both here in Los Angeles and in New York, and I'm I'm always amazed at your tolerance and your patience, because you seem to be a lot more, I think you got the self-control better than I do right now, uh, maybe for the whole parenting experience, because it's it's tough raising kids today. Well, that, that's right, Sandra. And, you know, just to sort of piggyback on that story that you started with, with kids just having these typical kid fights in school, um, you know, that's okay. That's normal. Um, kids will fight. Um, kids will also be loving. Kids will be a lot of things that just come naturally to them. It's when we start or when they start labeling each other this or that, that's when we start having problems that we're going to sort of call into this big umbrella tolerance. So does it start with, like, for example, they, my kid is, my Zach is the smallest in the fifth grade, like of four fifth grade classes, he is the smallest. And so it starts with like shrimp, shrimp chip, shrimpy, you didn't grow it all this summer, blah, blah, blah. That's what started the fight recently. Does that when we start labeling like that, does that grow into bigger labels or is that like something we should be concerned about? Like what, what switches on in a kid that labels, is that something that's passed down from a parent? Like how does that happen? I think that happens with height. It happens with race. It happens with religion. It happens with a lot of things. I mean, kids are born as blank slates. 
they have to be taught. And it is our job as parents, as teachers, as guardians to teach them. Uh, because kids, you know, sort of when they're little, when they're babies, they're just, you know, naturally good, right? They smile. They, they're, they're happy. Um, all the behavior comes later. All the bad behavior is learned. So if they can learn bad behavior, what about teaching them good behavior? I think that in schools, um, we, we pay so much attention to ABCs, to, to, our, to all the things that uh, kids need to do to, to be successful, to advance in their grade, and to move on in life. But I don't see a lot of attention being spent on character, on ethics, on the subject that we're going to talk about today here, which is tolerance. Um, we need a lot more of that in our schools, I believe. Well, I think you're right, because when I was growing up, you know, I grew up in Buffalo, a little small town. There wasn't any minorities in our town. There might be three, like that could be even classified as a minority. And so everybody was kind of Polish, German there, you know, some Italians. It, it was very homogenous. And when I look at my kids' classrooms today, we have kids from all over the world. We've got kids from the Pacific Rim, from the Middle East, from the Ukraine, from Australia. You know, this is just in one classroom. So there's a lot more variety in our classrooms today. But more importantly, there's a lot less patience. And I think patience is intimately tied to tolerance because... You know, when I look at my kids, and I even look at myself, Mitchell, like today, when I was trying to get you on Skype, I'm like, well, I can't get you on Skype, so I'll call you on the phone, and then if I can't call you on the phone, I'll text you. So there were three modes of communication to get my need met at 10 o'clock to check your sound quality. Now, we had a whole hour to check it, so, but I'm kind of preconditioned and programmed to get what I want right away, or to, to get this immediacy, so if something doesn't happen right away, there's a frustration level that comes up in me that I know is tied to tolerance because when we become intolerant, when we're used to having things our own way or a set way or the way we think they should be, um, those two things are intertwined, at least in my mind. How about in yours? So, so I think I'm going to go back to, I'm going to talk about tolerance and something that I think is, is um, a more insidious, which is intolerance. But, but just to go piggyback on something again that you said, sure. um, and that is um, everybody brings something to the table. Um, everybody in that classroom, every kid has a different talent, a different viewpoint. You're going to have some that are more patient, some that are less patient, some that are better at this and some are that, that are better than that. Um, and yet we are very quick in our schools to label them. Uh, you're dumb at math or you can't read or you can't do this or you can't do that. Um, instead of trying to appreciate those differences, that's really what the core of tolerance is, I think, is kind of taking a step back and appreciating that. So if you're having trouble, you know, getting on a, on a, a call with me because of Skype, maybe I'm not technically proficient and maybe you are, but maybe I do something else well. It's just appreciating and understanding each of our own differences. Well, and our value, like what is our value to the, like what, you know, what is our value to each other? And these little like irritations can build up. I see them in my kids. They're like, well, that kid's dumb. And, and, you know, and it translates to that kid's dumb because, and that kid's dumb because of this, this, and this. And, you know, and it's, it's tough because it starts to compound and then, you know, beliefs get entrenched so that, you know, we, we look at somebody and they, we make these value judgments and that's, it's such a hard thing, Mitchell, because 
in order, like I used to have to profile for my job. And I know that sounds really bad because everybody says profiling is bad, but that was part of my job. I had to profile people. And was my profiling correct and fair? Probably not. I Did I do the best I can? Yes, I can. But there's a dividing line of like, where where does tolerance and then your boundaries, like that's where I start getting mixed up. So let's so let's talk about tolerance for a moment because tolerance is the buzzword that we hear today. We need more tolerance. We need more tolerance. There's all these groups. There's uh, interfaith groups. There are um, you know African American and Caucasian groups. There are international groups. Everybody's trying to build tolerance, but that term is is kind of a faulty term. It's not a great term because think about what that means. Tolerance. Well, you know, I can be tolerant of my neighbor. I don't like them very much. I don't want anything to do with them. It doesn't mean we're connected with them. It means we tolerate them. You might tolerate um, Uncle Joe, even though you don't like Uncle Joe very much. So tolerance sort of falls short. Um, I mean, generally, I think when we think of tolerance, we think about respecting differences, whatever they are, whether it's your race, whether it's uh, your height, as you mentioned, whatever those is, it's respecting differences. And the second thing is uh, resolving conflict uh, nonviolently. There's going to be conflict in this world. There's going to be conflict in fifth grade. There's going to be conflict in college, and there's going to be conflict at work. There's going to be conflict between countries. It's how you resolve those those conflicts. And I think the problem is when tolerance sort of devolves into intolerance, because intolerance leads to it could lead to violence. It could, it leads to oppression. It leads to all sorts of things. It's, it's the core of the book that I wrote with my mother called The Rose Temple. Uh, she suffered uh, tremendously because of intolerance. Well, let's talk about intolerance because, you know, you're right. It's like we hear the word tolerance and I can just see my kids' eyes glaze over. It's like when we bring up the word bullying, you know, it's like people just we've heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it. But nobody really sits down and thinks about like, what what does it mean to be intolerant? Like, you know, when we talk about your mom, like the Jews and the Poles or here in America, the blacks and the white. What does what does it mean to be intolerant? So I, I think, number one, intolerance is, uh, in many cases, simply a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. So if I could, I'll talk a little bit about my mom's history um, and exactly how she faced that intolerance. Well, you know, I'd like to say that till we get back from the commercial break, because we only have about a minute and a half till break. But when you say the word tolerance or intolerance, we have a lack of understanding. But what else do we have? Are we have a programming in there? Do we have a pre-programming for a set of conditions? Sure. There's there's a, there's a set of beliefs, uh, and there's a there's generally sometimes even a lack of contact. Right? We might and there might even be fear, um, as we have today. We're, we're very fearful about the other or somebody else that we don't know about. Um, and as we'll talk about after the break, there are ways to combat that. And I, I think for your audience and the mothers out there. Uh, it really begins at home and at school. 
Absolutely, it does. You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show, Mitchell, is women are the gatekeepers of the information for the family. We kind of control a lot of the information flow in our household. So that's why we have these conversations today. We're visiting with Mitchell Weissman. His book now is The Rose Temple. So you can get a copy of it on Amazon. You can go to therosetemple.com. It's a really, really good read. And we are finding out that we really don't know how to teach our kids tolerance. At least I didn't. And then I I had to examine my own intolerance in order to really become the best parent I could be, which is what we're here for in the first place. This is Sandra Beck from Motherhood Talk Radio. You can check us out on motherhoodtalkradio.com or at our host station, Toginet. That's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com. We'll be back after the break. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Got my dreams, got my life, got my love. Got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard on myself when there's so many beautiful reasons I have to be happy? Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. It's there are more cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mideastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Fluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world 
and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Mitchell Weitzman. Now, he wrote a book called The Rose Temple, and it's such a good book. I, I It's one of those books that you're going to need a box of Kleenex. You're going to need, like, hours, at, you know, at a clip because you're not going to want to put it down. I mean, you just you just get carried away by the story. And then there's messages in here, you know, like spiritual messages and biblical messages and things that, you know, you're just going to really enjoy as it unfolds. And I'm lucky enough to have the author with us today, and he's also a specialist in teaching tolerance, which I really like because my children are the product of two great religions, the Jewish religion, the Catholic religion or Christian religion, belief system, however you want to put it. I can't ever keep it straight every time it changes what I'm supposed to say, but I think I got it covered. Um, And so tolerance is a big deal in our household and, and we want to grow our children to have the best lives they can be. And quite frankly, what I've seen Mitchell a lot of times is the kids, friends or my friends who are intolerant, they don't have as happy a life as we do. And before we went to break, you were going to tell us a story about your mother and her experiences and how it relates to tolerance. So please take the mic and, and uh, let us know what, 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 what happened to your mother. Yeah, I want to, yeah, I'm going to tell you the story about my mother. She, she was born in 1940 in a small town in Poland, uh, about half an hour away from Krakow, which was the old capital of Poland, a, beautiful place. I've, I've been to her hometown, a lovely sort of little hilly town, idyllic, you, you might say. Um, she was born Jewish. Uh, and of course, uh, at about 1940, the Nazis invaded, um, took over the country, and they quickly established what was called a ghetto uh, around the city. Uh, and my, my mother's birth parents recognized that the situation was getting dire. Uh, it was getting worse and worse every day. Um, and like many people, they were uh, saying to themselves, what are we going to do? Some friends of theirs were uh, planning to escape. There was an uh, escape route uh, to Hungary uh, that might work, may not work. But their problem was their little girl, uh, my mother, who was, who was then known by the name of Rose Burl, uh, was a little baby. How do you take a baby on a covert mission to escape? Uh, baby could cry and and give everyone away. It would be a disaster. So they made the difficult decision to give her away to a Catholic couple. Um, they gave her to one couple, uh, and that couple eventually gave her back. Um, that she was with she was with another a young girl who was making a lot of noise, and so they they gave my mother and this other girl back to their families. And so my mother's parents had that decision to make a second time. Eventually, uh, a couple by the name of Franciszek and Genoveva Świątek uh, took in my mother. Uh, so the question is, how did they take her in? A Jewish girl in Poland, uh, they could have been killed by the Nazis. That was not allowed. It was not allowed to save any Jews and, of course, not a Jewish child. Well, they took her in under assumed identity. Uh, there was a, a a woman, a cousin of this woman, uh, Genevieve Franciszek, Genevieve Schwantek, who um, who had a little girl about my mother's age, and they they uh, altered her identity card, and my mother was transported from the ghetto in a little bundle uh, one day and delivered to the Schwanteks, and she was then adopted. She was 
uh, the Shrunteks told everybody that this was a, a their little cousin, um, and uh, and they adopted her. So to the uh, neighborhood, she was a little Catholic girl, and and that was the end of the story. War ends in 1945, and my mother is uh, sort of going on as a two, three, four, five year old uh, going into town, and. Um, as far as she knows, these are her parents. She doesn't remember her birth parents. The only parents that she knows are these adopted Catholic parents. Well, a relative comes in in 1945, knocks on the door, and says, where's where's Rose? And the Shrontex look at each other and say, who is this? Who is this person? Well, apparently it was a, a relative who had come to reclaim uh, my mother. My mother didn't want to go. She's five years old. These adoptive parents are the only parents that she knows, and so she clings to her mother's leg. Uh, the the relative puts up a brief fight um, and then eventually leaves. But when the relative was looking for my mother, uh, she also uh, sort of spilled up the secret. The secret was that this little girl of the Shrunteks was not Catholic at all. She was Jewish. And, wow. so, the secret, and so the secret is out. So it might have been not more than, you know, 30 minutes after this relative left the house. My mother is a five-year-old girl playing with her little doll on a balcony, singing singing a lullaby that, that her mother has sent to her and just playing. All of a sudden, she hears footsteps, and it's her landlord. This is a landlord who thought, you know, here's an adorable little girl who's given her candy. Well, what, all of a sudden, he cocks back his arm, he has a brick in his hand, and he flings it at my mother, just missing her head and shattering the glass behind her. Oh. So when we're talking about what is intolerance, there is a living, breathing example of it. Here is a man who, one minute earlier, thinks this is a Catholic girl, just like uh, everyone else was in Poland at that time, who was 99% Catholic. Finds out she's a Jewish girl, and he throws a brick at her. The question that we have to ask is, why? What in the world would possess a man to throw a brick at a little girl? Well, and furthermore, the only thing that changed, like in this scenario, this is what I'm hearing, is one fact. One little piece of information. You know, it's not like she was yelling and screaming and kicking up a fuss. For one minute, she's one thing in his mind. And in, the, in another minute, she's another thing in his mind. But she herself has not changed. She's just a little girl playing with her dolly on the steps. That's exactly right. She's She, she goes crying back to, to her mother and father and saying, Mommy, Daddy, what, what did I do? This, he called me. He called me a Jew. What's a Jew? So uh, her mother and father tried to, you know, assured assured her that they loved her, that she was exactly the same person that she was before. But you know, I want to go back to the landlord for just a moment because it's just incredible to me. You know, we think of that time uh, in Europe as the Holocaust. We think of it. Um, sort of in these big terms, these massive terms, all these millions killed, all these evil people. But if you just kind of focus the lens for just a moment on this one man and what 
in the world would possess him to throw a brick at a little girl and try to kill her is just it is just incredible and it it is uh illustrative of the dangers of um of intolerance the subject of of our talk today obviously this is a man who may or may not have had much contact with Jews in his town but certainly had some some images of them some long built hates um that had come over years in fact you know i would say that the holocaust was not an overnight thing that just happened in 1939 this was decades centuries in the making transmitted from one generation to the next and so this couldn't be a more important topic if we want to just put an end to it to stop this and unfortunately since the holocaust it hasn't stopped if we want to put a stop to it we have to start teaching our children um why this is wrong and what we and, and what they can do about it what knowledge can they get well, and I'm just going to say, like, and why this is, you know, yes, it's wrong, but it's also, and I'm just going to say this is not a popular word in schools, but this is stupid. Like, you were a friend to this person. Like, I think of my kids, like, you know, and I do use the word stupid in my household because I'm me. But some things are just stupid. It's like, you have this little girl, you know, and, and let's let's equate it to two kids at school. You have this little girl. She's your friend. And then all of a sudden, because of some something somebody said or something you learned, she's not your friend. You know, being a Jew or being black or being Hispanic or being Asian or being white or being anything is not something you do intentionally to hurt another person. Yes, we want to have our kids stay away from kids who intentionally hurt them. But a fact, a, a, a concept or a... A religion or a belief system or really just about anything is it's so ridiculous to, to 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 use that as a criteria for not liking someone mitchell there's so many other reasons not to like a person so absolutely i mean i really like to simplify this that's why i tend to not talk about tolerance as much as intolerance because tolerance i don't know what that means but intolerance it's pretty clear when you're oppressing someone, when you're bullying someone, when you're attacking someone for, for who they are and not what they did, that's pretty clear. That's, that is black and white. And, and that's why I focus on that. And you are so right when you say how stupid it is. Intolerance makes no sense. Um, and, and, um, I guess after the break, I can talk a little bit more about that. But. I would love that because I'm already here. I'm like all riled up from the story because I think any parent who has a child and they can see them innocently playing and then have an adult throw a brick at them because of intolerance, because of for whatever reason, you know, is just insanity. And so I encourage everybody listening today, if you felt like I felt, if you felt that rage boiling up inside you wanting to protect this little girl, then teach our children so that they don't grow up into these kind of adults because that man at some point was somebody's child and, you know, a blank slate that we could help, you know, craft into something wonderful, which is what we all want. We want our kids to grow up and be happy and to get along and to have, you know, a wonderful life. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more to Mitchell Weitzman about tolerance, intolerance, the, the wonderful story he wrote, The Rose Temple. Check out therosetemple.com. We'll be back again after the break. Listen as your day unfolds, challenge what the future's, try and keep your head up to the sky. 
Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Preparing your lunch at home and bringing it to school or work is usually a much healthier alternative than going out or ordering hot lunch. Weight Watchers offers some pointers to make preparing lunches a more pleasant experience and not a chore. Prep your foods on the weekends by cutting up veggies and putting them in Ziploc bags in the fridge. Multitask during meal preparation. When making dinner at night, prepare lunches for tomorrow at the same time and keep them in the refrigerator until morning. Have the kids help you put the lunches together. They can assist you and the job will be smoother. Make healthy lunches at home a priority and assure that you and your children are eating healthy, low-calorie meals. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and this is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we are visiting today with Mitchell Weitzman. He wrote a book called The Rose Temple, and it's a book about his mother's story, her journey, her transformational journey, and when we went to break, we were talking about the scenario that she experienced as a little kid, just sitting there playing with her doll on the steps in Poland, and Thinking the guy, you know, the landlord, whatever, thinking that she was a little Catholic girl was okay with that. Then he found out she was a little Jewish girl and threw a brick at her. And, you know, in very, very simple, literally concrete terms, that just shows how intolerance can grow in us and turn us into monsters. I'm sure that man at some point, because he, 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 I don't think you said this in the story, or maybe, maybe I read it in the book, I can't remember, but he used to give her candy. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, so how how do you go from loving this little girl thinking she's delightful to throwing a brick at her? Like that but it but it really does really poignantly and very concretely illustrate what happens to us in as human beings when we allow that hatred into our hearts because to me intolerance is hatred. It's like once you open the door to hatred in your heart, intolerance comes right in there and and just rears its ugly head. And so when we teach our children this, like like I remember my mom teaching me the story of the little match girl, and that used to make me cry. I used to cry with the little match girl story all the time. And now I'm going to add this to my list of stories that I cry, makes make me cry. I don't care how old I am. or It's just unbelievable. How do we translate a story like this to our children to teach them? Because they're not going to, you know, at, at least not... Well, no, I'm not even going to say that. They might experience, you know, Jewish, Christian, you know, they'll definitely black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. How do we teach that story to our kids so that they get it? It is. It's not just the story. It's also even small children. Um, and and I met I met your little one, Sandra. So I know how smart he is. <laughs> even even small children can be critical thinkers. I think that's what my point is. I'm really I'm about simplifying this. It's a complex world. We've got all sorts of things going on. It's a difficult world to navigate today. But there's really two simple things that I I want I would relate to your audience. Um, one is is about intolerance teaching children how nonsensical it is. It doesn't make sense on really any level, certainly an ethical level, obviously. Oppression and and hate and violence is wrong. That's clear. It doesn't make sense on an economic level. Um, Think of how many, you know, um, African-Americans and Jews and other minorities, everyone has contributed something to this world. Um, the, the creators of Superman were Jewish. Seinfeld is Jewish. We all enjoy those things. Kids enjoy those things. Imagine what would have happened if Hitler had had his way. There'd be no Superman. There'd be no Seinfeld. There'd be no many, many different contributions that Jews have made. And I could say the same thing about African-Americans and all the wonderful music and other contributions that they've made. It just it doesn't make sense. Why would we want to to oppress any group simply for who they are? Uh, it just it makes it makes absolutely no sense, and the same thing is in the classroom. Um, everybody has a voice. Everybody has something to add, and so if you if you oppress that, if you bully them, um, you're just you're just losing out. You're losing yourself. As much as the oppressed is losing, it's the oppressor who's losing. They're losing something valuable that could actually enhance their life. They might lose that medicine that was invented. You know, the uh, polio was invented by a Jewish doctor. Just imagine life if we oppressed minorities and oppressed people that were others to the extent that they couldn't create these things. This wouldn't be such a great world. So it's, it is absolutely nonsensical. And then the second part of this is uh, what I let off with is critical thinking. So there is a, uh, a persistent rumor. It's hard to believe this. We all know the 9-11 story and, and, the, and the falling of the towers. There is uh, still a persistent <clears throat> um, rumor, or I don't know how you want to call it, that this was somehow a Jewish plot. People who, people who hate Jews, for example, will find any ridiculous reason 
to, to, to stir up hate. So somebody has to sort of sit back and just not take this in and question it. Fact check, like we do in the political debates. Let's fact check what, what these people are telling us. Let's go back, apply some critical thinking school skills. And children can be taught this at a very, very young age to question, to search for the truth, and to, and to make good, good judgments. Well, and I'm going to take it even one step further, Mitchell, if I may. You know, when I look at, at like parables in the Bible or stories that, that we have, or like I mentioned, you know, the little match girl. And, you know, that story, when my mom would tell me the little match girl story, we, we would talk about compassion. We would talk about service. We would talk about helping, you know, the poor and ministering to the sick. And then we would talk about dreams and hopes. So there was a whole bunch of messages wrapped in there. And when I look at your story, your mother's story that you wrote so beautifully about, um, the thing that came across me so strongly is, yes, I agree with everything you just said, absolutely 100%. But most kids, a lot of times, too, if you can relate it to them, like they're a very what's in it for me generation, you know, what what's the video game going to give me? What's this going to give me? And critical thinking is excellent. But some kids are just what's in it for me. And the thing that struck me just now as you were talking is that when we talk to our children and we teach them, hey, you know what? Not being intolerant or being tolerant or being accepting or, or you know, is that you lose when you're intolerant. You know, you lose when you decide not to be somebody's friend because he's a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian. You lose when you hurt someone that could develop the next cure for cancer or, you know, the next screenwriter or whatever it is, or the next athlete, we all have those gifts, Mitchell, that you talked about in the first uh, episode, first part of this episode. And it really struck me is that I feel sorry for your mom in that story for sure. But the one I feel really sorry for is the man who threw the brick. Because the hatred he had in his heart, and he had the enjoyment every day of seeing your mother, seeing her play with her dollies, the joy of giving her a candy, the joy of watching her be happy. There was so much going on just with that simple little exchange. How wonderful that was. Now it's replaced by intolerance. It's replaced by hatred. Who really lost? The little girl didn't change. Your mother didn't change from anything from the label Christian to Jew. But that man's whole life changed. Look at what he lost. And when I look at my kids who really hate to lose video games, I think every kid hates to lose a video game. What if your next gamer friend is going to be the um, biggest, you know, video game producer in the world and you'll get to enjoy all his games, but because you guys all bullied him or put him down or picked on him for whatever reason you're being intolerant, who loses? You lose. And I think if we can relate to our kids that when you're intolerant, you're really the one who loses the most. That's exactly right. Um, I'm a huge baseball fan. And so before 1946, I think it was a 47, uh, African Americans weren't allowed to play the game. Um, imagine the game now and how, how many wonderful superstars we've seen and, and how the sport's been elevated. We, we, we lost all that before. And we, if, if they weren't allowed to play today, we'd be losing it now. So you're, you're absolutely right. It does. It certainly does not benefit the the intolerant person or the perpetrator. And uh, you know, you wish you could see that. You wish you could see in other parts of the world where, um, you know, we talked about. You know, we're trying to be positive here about talking about the positive things that we want to teach. Um, you know, and unfortunately, in in some parts of the Arab world, 
They're textbooks of, they call Christian swines and they call Jews apes. So what are those kids going to grow up to be? Um, that's what they're being taught. They're not questioning it. It's, it's just being uh, drilled into them. Um, if, if we're going to change that part of the world and, and now we're all interconnected, it's really got to start with the children. And somebody's got to finally take a step back and say, we need to stop this. Um, you know, children want to get along and they want to play with each other. And they're really colorblind. Um, well, they're, they're everything blind. I will tell you, I have a really great pastor in my local neighborhood. And I said to him, you know, he was getting kids together for a Christmas play, Mitchell. It was just a very nice Christmas play. It wasn't like, you know, some crazy, crazy religious revival. It was just a Christmas thing. And they needed some kids. And I said, well, I could bring my kids, you know, the half Christian, half Jews, you know, and then, you know, their best friend's a Muslim. And the other one, the girl doesn't go to church at all. He says, all are welcome. He didn't make a big dividing line, you know, like that Starbucks, if you guys haven't seen that Starbucks thing about, you know, the Muslim church or whatever temple across from the Tennessee church, Google it, I'll find the, um, I'll find the Earl on the break, but he didn't take it as the anything other than these are kids, they're going to sing together, and they're going to have a great time, and they're going to dance around and pretend they're reindeers, and one will be a snowman, and it'll be fun. That was the extent of it, and you know what, they had a ball. And, you know, we as parents, um, I mean, we're human and and I I struggle with with tolerance as much as anybody. You know, I so we all grow up in our own environments with our own sort of views. And so it's it's not just that, you know, I'm sort of saintly about this, um, but at least I kind of step back and I have some awareness um, about it. And one thing that I do myself that I think I would impart to to the mothers in your audience is one of the easiest ways to to learn about another culture is, you know, it doesn't mean you have to go globetropping uh, across town, across the country. Uh, there are books. It's a, it's a beautiful and simple way to learn about another culture and um, to open your mind. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's uh, something that I would highly encourage. Absolutely. I'm going to take us to commercial break. The video that I would encourage everybody to watch is go to Google, type in Upstanders. It's made by Starbucks. It's Upstanders, U-P-S-T-N-A-N-D-E-R-S, the mosque across the street. It'll make you cry. It'll open your heart and it'll just explain to you and your kids just what being all one is about. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about this and how we can teach our kids. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. I am beautiful no matter what they say. Words can't bring me down. I am beautiful in every single way. Yes, Information about book publishing is power, the power to change your authoring life, and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. 
Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Riles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids as dogs love it too. Last night I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. You are beautiful, no, no matter what they say. Words can bring you down. Oh, no. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Mitchell Weitzman, and the book of the hour is The Rose Temple, and you're going to want to get a copy of it, therosetemple.com. You can get it there. You can also get it on Amazon. It is a really, really good read. It's not the kind of book that's going to, you know, horrify you at every page. It will change you. It will open your eyes. It will entertain you. It'll inspire you. It's, It's all those wonderful, good things packed in, like Forrest Gump says, like a box of chocolates. Um, but we're talking today about tolerance and intolerance. And for those of you that missed the first three quarters of the show, you can find us on iTunes under Motherhood Talk Radio. You can go to our .com by the same name, motherhoodtalkradio.com, or you can go to our host station, Toginet, that's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com. We're talking about intolerance or tolerance or, gosh, it's it's you're right, Mitchell, it's like it's such a... It's 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 a word that really doesn't even it's like an iceberg word. It doesn't even it like like doesn't even you know break the surface of the water. There's so much uh, to be had with it. But teaching our children, you know, even if you just share the brick story and you talk about how you know what did that man lose and and what did he gain by being intolerant and that little girl, you know, she didn't change. It was just the label somebody put on her. So we need to be careful of the labels we put on people. Um, you know, I, I'll give an example of my old, my youngest brother was declared uh, retarded by the state of New York in the 70s because he was dyslexic and he had learning disabilities and all these problems. Well, 
Today, he works for NASA. He's a NASA rocket scientist. Uh, but that label stuck with him, and it stuck with him a long time. And I think that when we talk about name-calling with kids, Mitchell, I really think that's where it starts. I I just feel in my bones that when we start name-calling, it just elevates that hatred in our heart. And I know I'm a big one. I am on my kids all the time about name calling because the names hurt. And as little kids, they hurt. And we carry those names with us. We carry those labels with us. But as we become adults, name calling and labeling like that, pejorative negative labeling, it becomes a habit and it becomes ingrained in us. And then we surround ourselves with people who are comfortable with that behavior. And now we we got a mess in Maple Leaf Garden. Well, <laughs> yeah, and and you know what I'd like to see in every school and, mm. and, and at every home, I, and it's it's really it's very simple. Um, you alluded to it earlier, and that is how do you reach kids? The 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 what's in it for me question. You know, why should I be nice? Why should I be good? Why do I care about this big word tolerance or intolerance? Right. Well, there's a there's there's something very simple that you don't hear much of today. You hear about all the violence. You hear about the school shootings and everything that's going on. It's amazing what you don't hear, and that is the golden rule. Every religion has a version of the golden rule, which is you know basically treat others as you wish to be treated. You know, do unto others as you would have done unto you. What could be more basic than that? You're a human being. That person's the other a human being. You may not know them. You may not even like them. You may disagree with them, but treat them as you want to be treated, and have them treat you, you know, as as they should be treated. So, it, it's the golden rule. I'd love to see that um, right after the Pledge of Allegiance in every school. Um, I think it's it's just such a simple, powerful message, and would would really dissolve so much conflict. Well, and repetition is key. You know, repetition is key with kids. You know, when we teach spelling words, you know, because we're, my one son is a great speller. I was awful, Mitchell. I was terrible. Everyone else had stars on the board by their name and I never had any. And, you know, I'm still scarred today from that. But we teach our kids to spell by repetition. We have them write it three times. We have them repeat it back to me three times. So we know that that these messages need to be repeated. But more than the messages, and this is why, you know, when I talk about the moms being the gatekeepers of the household, what do you allow to come into your household? Do you allow intolerance and hate to come into your household? And sometimes it can come in with teenagers, it can come in with your husband or your wife, or it can come in with your partner, it can come in with your parents. And at some point, who puts their hand up and says, okay, that's enough. Like, this is not allowed here. This is not, this is not who we are. This is not the way we talk about people. And being mindful of what we do ourselves because our kids, boy, they model after us. Everybody knows that. You make one mistake. You say a swear word once in the house. I did that. I backed my uh, minivan, Mitchell, out of my driveway. And we were hurrying to soccer and the tailgate was up and it hit the top of my roof and the, the, the tailgate shattered all over. And I let out the biggest, most unmotherly expletive because I knew it was going to be $1,000. I just rained glass all over my house. Eight years later, nobody will let me forget it. I did it once. And so... <laughs> 
when we know how powerful we are as mothers, as leaders, do we lead with compassion? Do we lead with integrity? Do we lead with tolerance? Do we lead with forgiveness and compassion and understanding? Or do we teach otherwise? And it's the moms and dads who create the household. So it's funny that you, that you, that you say that because if I was going to sort of say, well, how do you handle, how do you handle, you know, tolerance and tolerance? How do you handle those issues? So, you know, we've talked about um, awareness. First of all, you need to be aware of it. You have to acknowledge it. Um, and, and secondly, it's, it's the, what it's in it for me, you know, it's, it's that if you're intolerant, you lose on opportunities. You're 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 living in hate as opposed to living in all the wonderful things. And then there's a there's a third thing. And uh, you know we're talking about uh, teaching our children. What about listening to what our children can teach us? So it's my son Joshua, for example. You know when I when I make a comment, you know if I see somebody on the other side of the street that I've sort of labeled and and have a reaction to. He'll tell me, you don't know him. Why are you saying that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so children, children, children will, they'll call you out. They'll call you out. They'll, they'll, they'll point things out. He's all full of sort of social justice. And, and uh, he will, he is very quick to point out my, my, uh, my faults. And, um, you know, at first I sort of fought back, but then I said, you know, acknowledge it. You know, we're human, at least acknowledge it. Um, you know, we may not be perfect. We may not solve this. You know, we're not going to be, you know, we all have our days. <laughs> we're all tired. So, you know, you know, let's, let's be good to ourselves, but let's at least keep this on the radar and, um, and then, you know, filter that down to our children and listen to our children and what they're telling us. I'll tell you what happens, Mitchell, when you have an open household, like I do, um, my son, my older son, has a half Filipino friend. He's got a, a son that was born of Russian, Ukrainian, and South American parents. We've got Shai from Israel. You know, we've got all these kids. And then we have friends of ours that are Middle Eastern that came to the United States via Germany. All of these families, by the way, came for the American dream. They came and they came educated. Some of them were educated here. They are productive positive, contributive members of society, really the kind of people that we want in the United States, what our country was founded on. And they come at holiday time, you know, which really for us is all of December and into uh, January. And we eat and we play music and we laugh and we talk and we share and they talk about holidays in their country, whatever they celebrate and what they eat and what they do and how they do it. And we talk about the different prayers and how similar some of our prayers are, how different they are. What are some of the dishes? It was really funny, Mitchell, because one of the dishes that is found in my family history was also found in Anna and Martins, who are from Zacatecas, Mexico's family in history. And then uh, Sonia and Alejandro, they had it over in Spain. And I'm like, and then we get um, uh, Igor and his wife from from Russia saying, oh, we used to make that, but they changed it a little bit. And just that one dish that, that popped around South America, the United States, over to Europe, over to Russia, you know, had we had a couple other countries represented, we might find a similarity. But we all sat down and thought, oh, my gosh, we all make the same dish or pretty close to the same dish. What does that tell you? We're all one. We are all people. We are different, for sure. 
But if we get a chance to know each other, how funny is that, that the commonality we found was a dish? And, and yeah, and we, we all want basically the same things. I mean, anywhere in the world, people want, you know, they want to be fulfilled in life. They want to, um, they want, they want love in their life. Uh, they, so as people, we, we, we essentially want the same thing. And so, you know, when, when we, when we um, oppress the other or when we're intolerant to another, uh, it just makes, it makes no sense. Um, and, you know, I, I hope and pray that uh, at some point in our lives, uh, things will take a turn for the better. Well, and think about it. When we were kids, the likelihood of us being friends, you know, we've worked on a project together now for a while. We're friends of common friends. Realistically, growing up, would we have been friends? Probably not. That's right. Um, so the, the, um, the Internet and, uh, you know, the Internet's a wonderful tool. Um, and it, the world, it does bring the world closer together when used as a wonderful tool. <laughs> so, um, but but it, it's, it's true. Um, I view things so differently now, having worked on, on the Rose Temple with my mother for 20 years. Um, I've learned from her. And um, I see things differently. So uh, it's it's been an uh, amazing transformation that I've had. Well, and you've carried me along on that journey, so I'm happy to, to support the Rose Temple. You can find it at therosetemple.com. The author is Mitchell Weitzman. Now, you spell that W-E-I-T-Z-M-A-N, but if you go to Amazon or go to Google and just type in the Rose Temple, you'll find it. Now, when we come back next week, we're going to talk more about parenting issues that can help us be the best moms we can be. When we know better, we do better. I hope that you'll all take to heart what we learned today, what we talked about open your hearts open your households encourage your kids to be citizens of the world so that we can create the next greatest generation we'll be back again next week this is sandra beck from motherhood talk radio have a great one Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood Talk 